Hey, y'all. Hi. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say <laughs> for a second. But uh, hey, how's it going? It's going well. You got to do the hey, y'all. Oh, this hey, is... y'all. There we go. This is fuck. Black queer. Black queer and dot, dot, dot. And I'm Lorraine. And I'm Shamian. Hey, Shamian. Hey. You're preaching Sunday, right? Yes. I know that like this church, it's not the like our home church, but usually they give you, do, do they have like a monthly theme or a weekly theme? Is that what it Actually, is? Actually, this is the first time they've had a theme for the month. Oh, I feel that like I've, they... That I've known. Usually they, they go off of the lectionary. I feel like, oh, that's what it is. Because I feel like they usually like... Um... I'm just laughing because you had a drink of water. And I could hear you gulping. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, Good I was to stay thinking, hydrated. Because um, I, I feel like they usually send you, I guess you're right, uh, like a verse or something. So it's not really a theme usually. They send you a verse and you write off of that verse. Uh, not quite. So they go off the lectionary. Mm-hmm. So then I just look What's up the lectionary, the lectionary for Tell the week. Tell the people. Um, you know, I don't know the back history of it, but I know that some churches follow along with um, the lectionary has, it's a collection of themes based around um, different, the, the, it kind of follows some of the different um, religious traditions like Pentecost and whatnot. So there's different resurrection, Easter, that kind of thing. Okay. So um, every week there's usually three or four scriptures. There's a hymn or a hymn, there's a prayer. There's even uh, some uh, paintings and things like that that go along with the theme for that week. Okay. And so since they follow the lectionary, generally what I do is I'll pull up uh, the the verse verses for that week, I'll read through them, and I'll see which ones speak to me, and then I'll kind of go off of that. Okay. So that's how I usually do it. But this time, they told me that they actually have a theme for the month. And what's the theme? It's inspired by... It, the theme is Choose Life, and it's inspired by Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20. And this is what they say about it. I put before you life and death. Choose life so your descendants may live. During times of trouble, when deathliness seems to surround us, what reorients us, us towards life? The author Maxine Hong Kingston wrote, in times of destruction, create something. What are our spiritual tools for these times that keep us not only speaking truth about the evil, but in this moment stirs us to choose creativity, joy, and life. Hmm. Okay. It's meaty. Yeah, it is. What are you taking from that and so what you're preparing? Or are you even using that to yeah. prepare? You are? Mm-hmm. So what's the haves? So, um, so some of the things that I pulled out of it was this idea of uh, choosing life, uh, reorienting what reorients us to life, and um, what causes us to create in times of destruction, right? So I know, like, literally those are the three things that were said. But it makes me think about hope, uh-huh. right? Hope sort of keeping us going, but also drawing us out to action, right? So that we don't just stay under the covers okay. until things pass. And then also this idea of drawing us out of hiding. One of the first sentences was, uh, about descendants, mm-hmm. like what keeps you going 
so basically it was like, this isn't just about you, right? So all of that is what I read into that little blurb that they sent me. It's a lot. It's juicy. Are we on? Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) we had to pause there for a minute because I was saying to Ray that it felt a little bit like an interview. And but when we're not on the mic, we're just like literally we're in the kitchen, we're in the living room, we're just vibing. And then we got on the mic, it was like, okay. So Shamian, tell me more about <laughs> about those things that you were thinking about. So we just had a chuckle. I to was ourselves. channeling um, my inner Gail King. Is that what it was? Yeah. That, I don't know how to that, that, nobody. I was about to say that R. Kelly interview. <laughs> she was just very poised and yeah. And that's I was channeling her. Yeah. Not that you were in here crying and carrying on, right. And acting foolish, right? But. Yeah. And I just felt really, you know, it just yeah. Felt you were really, channeling. No, keep yeah, on yeah. channeling. Yeah. And I can, um, I can just Robert, roll with it. Robert, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> she was treating him like a preschooler. <laughs> Robert. Robert. She really was. She was treating him like a preschooler, as yeah. she should have. Yeah, he was struggling. Going temper tantrums yeah, and all that he was ridiculousness. He's exposed. Yep. Um, definitely. But bringing back to the to the theme, right? That we're talking about Deuteronomy. Uh, what did I say? Fifteen. You want me to pull my Bible out? No, I'll just pull it <laughs> on my phone. Oh, Deuteronomy thirty fifteen through twenty. Uh, but it's inspired by. So this is the other piece of it. The lectionary for this week is really it shows God as being really punitive, mm-hmm. right? Even this scripture. And so the reason why they said this is inspired by, Mm -hmm. because if they use the actual language, there's some punitive language in there. And I what do you mean by that? I like that it shows God is being upset or angry, like if you don't do this, then this is what's gonna happen. And I think actually that's interesting because I was thinking about also tying that into like how oppressive theologies can take scriptures like this literally. And just give them to the people. You know what I mean? You weren't... Last night, yesterday, we had a barbecue at our house and we had some friends over. And it was like three different conversations going on at the table. But I think you were talking to Nick in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And I was at the table with Asati and Lauren and Shantae and my brother and Juanita. And we were talking, though, about um, how the... How do we really know that these were the words that God intended or right. that Jesus intended? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because it literally is written by men and it was man's interpretation mm-hmm. of what their interpretation of what God was saying. And right. which to me is why it is so like the Bible has so many things that are against women. Yeah. And I mean, if they're named at all. Even right. if they're even named at all. And mm-hmm. so, but that makes sense if it's written by a bunch of men. Right. A bunch or of men in power. Depending on their uh, geographic location, their, you know, and like you said, power and influence, because I think this was also talked about around the table that that the um, the passages of the Bible were rewritten, right? So what would happen is that people, someone in a position of power would just orate passages mm-hmm. and people were scribes they were writing down but things were omitted and added depending on 
who was in power to make them look right even more powerful, which is why we have few women named or you know women are the Jezebels and things like exactly. that. Exactly. There's so there's such a rich history um, around the Bible, and it's such a very sensitive topic. Like even some people that might be listening to this might be cringing, like how dare they even question, right? And I just think. <laughs> I just sort of wish we could come to it with fresh new eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so just like what's happening uh, with the scripture right now for the upcoming sermon, that they can still take that passage that has some punitive elements and see life in it. Yeah. Right. I think even doing that is doing the work of justice because that's not my God, the God that was burning up stuff and burning up people and saying, if you don't bow 10 times and I'm going to kick you off the like. And I'm a stone folks and all of that. That's not that's, that's not the God I serve. It's very interesting to me though when people are so quick to, you know, well, this is what the scripture says, and they are this is what God says, and it's like, but did God really say that? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, especially if it is it was upon man's interpretation. And if you look at all of these different, like there's Bibles today, there were Bibles ten years ago, there were Bibles. 50 years before that, 100 years right. before that. And like, if we look at each different, like, um, each Iteration different or, yeah, or version. Version, or, but even as far as they go back, the words change. Right. Different languages. Different languages. Translations, but also were lost in translation. Depending on the time, the right. time that it was. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, how the, it uses the word, we were talking about this yesterday, homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Nobody was, was using a, the word homosexuality right. back, you know, in, um, ancient, in the ancient Greco-Roman yeah. period, right? Because it wasn't, wasn't coined ex- in existence mid nineteenth century, late nineteenth century, somewhere around there. But I think, I think part of the struggle for people is tradition, mm-hmm. right? And so, people, I think, uh, you know, because sometimes you're taught the Bible is the word mm-hmm. and your life hinges on this. That's, that's, those are big stakes there, right? Mm-hmm. So if anyone comes along and says, hmm, have you ever thought about this? It's almost as if you're playing with their life and their livelihood. Some people structure their entire life around the Bible, right? So people have a hard time having any open discussion about it um, without feeling extremely defensive about it. But... And I also think people use it uh, as a tool of power. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason why they don't want to come to the table to talk about it because then uh, they don't want any light shined on the fact that they're they're manipulating scripture or picking and choosing mm-hmm. uh, to keep their positions of power. We, we, we ain't going to talk about that. Right, you know right, I mean? right. And I just think it's unfortunate. I think that part of it is is more than unfortunate. I think that's evil in right. some ways to, to use it as a tool, a weaponized tool. But I think the unfortunate piece is that how some people are so entrenched in certain theologies that they don't even know how to start different kinds of conversations. Right. I think that's unfortunate. Outside of, yeah, yeah. outside of what they believe or what they think they believe. Yeah. I think the sad part about it is I know everybody doesn't believe in God or right. everybody's not Christians, which is a, a great you know, yeah. like we don't have any problem with that. I believe that there is greatness in every, um, that there's something powerful within every um, religion or mm-hmm. every, you know, there's, I think we're so quick to be like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't do that. Yeah. And if you don't believe in it, you don't believe in it. 
but yeah. we are so quick to demonize. But one thing um, that I see in all of it is there's always a sense of love and hope. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's that's that's the drug that there that it's uh, that is being dealt mm-hmm. is love and hope. But we have lost that. Right. Do you get what I'm saying? When you say the drug being dealt, what do you mean by that? I mean, um, I just used it as a as a metaphor. Yeah, but would like say more about what you mean? Are you talking about when people preach? It's like a drug. Yeah, yeah that's it being is dealt? because when people go to church, it's usually um, a lot of times it's because they're in pain and yeah. they they need they need something. Right. Okay. Yes. And so they that sometimes people refer to preachers as like pushers mm-hmm. like like pushers drug. of the word <laughs> yeah or like you know uh drug dealers because they're like dealing yeah you know hope or they or they people are like you know they just trying to take everybody's money everybody's different every preacher is different some are about money and some really some are aren't. about hope right and love yep and there are some people who are not in the church who are all about hope and love. true yes and so my question is though when did we lose hope and love. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially when it comes to like being queer or being black, like we're seeing it right now. So many people in this, in this, um, like, is it politicized? Is that a word? I think so. Yeah. World that we live in, especially here in America, everybody is hating other people in the name of Jesus. And that's gone on forever, Mm -hmm. right? Ku Klux Klan. It was, you know, they'd be in there talking about Jesus, but they hate niggers. And, you know, they hate the mm-hmm. Jews, but they love Jesus. Yeah. And it was like, well, Jesus was about love, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus has transformed into many, <laughs> many different things for different people. Many, many, many. One of the things that writer Michel Foucault uh, said was that power generates the kind of logic it needs to sustain itself. And so I feel that Jesus has been transformed in mm. similar ways, right? So Jesus has been transformed in ways that undergirds certain theologies and ideologies in order to be sustained. So, mm-hmm. for example, I saw um, a short clip when uh, President Obama was, you know, was president, and he's still my president, um, <laughs> and where there's this preacher who, who sliced together different pieces of scripture and literally was jumping all around the Bible to try to prove that Obama was the Antichrist. And so he was doing very loose translations and then jumping over here and jumping over there. It made absolutely no sense, but he generated the kind of logic he needed to undergird his argument. So I think in, the, in similar ways, Jesus, right, is created in certain mm-hmm. ways. As a preacher, that person is responsible for so many lives, like all of the people that are sitting in front of him, right? And you could have a church with 10 people, but at the same time, those 10 people could leave there with only the words that you've spoken. And a lot of people put preachers on this this really high pedestal, right? right. And so they take what that preacher says as by word. The that word. That God has spoken. And it's like, well, if my pastor says abortion is wrong, I'm going to go and I'm going to stand outside and beat up everybody who's trying to come in and yes. get an abortion. Right. It's like the same thing with Trump. If he says, you know, fuck the blacks, we hate gays or lock her up, people start chanting that shit because it's like he is 
their the guy. The president. Yeah. He, he's, he's not the president. No, no. He, I bet I mean for them. Yes. He is the president, which means he has the authority. Right. And so when did people stop selling hope as the message rather than selling fear? Like literally, even in churches, they do it. They're selling fear of if you don't do this, you're going to go to hell. If you don't do this, Jesus is going to come back and whoop your ass. You know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> <laughs> there's no hope or I love think in that. that. So I think there's a couple of different blindly. motivations for that. Sometimes it's power. Sometimes it's money. And sometimes people really do believe that if you don't live a certain way, that you're going to go to hell. So they really believe that they're sending the word of mm. hope to people. Right? You, you, if you want to hope to get into the kingdom of heaven, you better not do this. Do you know what I mean? Right. So I think it's a mixture of a few things. That's why That's why I just like, I think personal relationship with God is so incredibly important. Heck yeah, it is. That's what I was taught though, growing up. I was taught, even as a preacher's kid, and like, even though the theology, like Southern Baptist theology is very muddy to me. Um, but I, one thing I was taught was that it's about your personal relationship. It's not yeah. your mama's relationship. It's not your daddy's or your grandparents. It's your, your personal, personal relationship. So right. you can figure out if that is right for you. Mm -hmm. And so if it is right for you, that God is speaking to you, not to you through you know somebody yeah. else. Or like you shouldn't have to go and pray with the pastor in order to hear from from the like. You know what I'm saying? It's so muddy these days. I mean, it's I a really know. complicated topic. And for me, I'm much less concerned about the people spewing oppressive theologies than I am the people who are absorbing them, right? So I'm more concerned about the people who are walking away bruised and battered mm -hmm. and feeling like they need to lead these perfect lives so that they're in the churches with masks on because they feel like that's the way that you show up. This is the way, this is how God is pleased. But God sees all of it when you leave you the church. You know what I mean? All the the secrets and stuff. And so I, I think for me, my focus is on those folks who have been burned, who are yeah. searching. Don't you think we should be concerned about both, though? Yes. Because even when those people... we I've seen churches fall apart, but there's still going to be someone there listening. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Listening to someone who is not dealing hope anymore or love, yeah. and they're just leading people in fear. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. these people are literally like, I'm going to give all my money to you or I'm going to not, not invest in the church or in, in the ministries, but like I'm giving it to you because you know, you're, you're telling me who I should stay away from and who I should hate. And because these people do this or do that, like it's literally dealing fear. Yeah. I and definitely that think that is scary. Cause even those people that you're saying we should like, you want to focus on them. Even if they leave, more people still come. Nasty people who speak with a nasty tongue and with from a nasty heart, right? They always seem to have somebody who who lead, who follows them. Oh, of course, them. yes, absolutely, and yes, it is important to um, deal with the folks who are spewing hatred. Absolutely, but in terms of my place in the battlefield. I've just been drawn to the margins. That's just kind of the place that I thrive. That's who you are. 
And so I think it's just a part of me knowing who I am. That's just where my focus automatically goes, right? So I'm the person who um, who comes after the person's been kicked down on the mm. side of the road. I'm the person that happens to walk by and go, oh, I see you there, right? What happened? Um, how do we fix it? How do we move forward? It's just the way that it, it's just the way that my life goes. So yes, I do think it's important. See, and I'm the person that wants to go in and kick deal with the person, the person that kicked. Who, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who was doing the kicking and and sometimes <laughs> you know, of course, I have to deal with the person who's done the damage. And and those conversations for me are so draining, uh, and are. and in a different way than dealing with people who have been oppressed, that can be draining as well, right? Yeah. But it's different for me when I'm talking with somebody who doesn't want to hear. Like I could, if someone, for example, usually usually the Bible is used against homosexuality. Always. Uh, Always. Right. And so if I were to say to the person, what about stoning? What about uh, women on, you know, their menstrual cycle? What about wearing certain kinds of skin that's inappropriate? What about this, that, or the other? That's quickly dismissed, mm-hmm. right? And they keep going with their argument. Or I might mention, oh, well, the term homosexuality wasn't coined here. And then they come back with something else. Like it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't seem to me that it's an authentic conversation. It's right. like, I am right and you're tainted. So no matter what you say, you're wrong. I just don't like coming to the table for those conversations. Yeah. I feel like yeah, they're yeah. fruitless. Say, for example, well, what about slavery? To me, it should end there. Like, right. oh, that's right, slavery is in there. Maybe there's room to, to that. Maybe there's room to see some of these other scriptures as not being valid, right? Okay. It doesn't go there. It goes to, well, what about this? Like, it, and I'm just not. I don't know. I'm not interested. In yeah. That. No, I feel you. There was something else that was on my mind, but I, that I think will take us down another path. Um, because some people I know don't, when I say I'm a minister, right, they don't believe that that could be possible. Oh and God. I just... What, because you're gay? Right. Like somehow... You're queer. That the anointing just passes over. God's like, oh, not you, right? <laughs> it just, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. And for me, the proof is in the pudding. Like, you know, dead trees don't bear fruit, right? Hmm. You better and preach. So, I think that that kind of says it all right there. But you better preach. So, so anyway, getting back to this idea that the Bible um, can is an inspirational source, right? Mm-hmm. I love using the Bible in that way. That that even in like I said, some of these punitive passages that people can pull out something life giving. I think is pretty remarkable. So, mm. um, so when I was thinking about this. Um, chapter and verse in Deuteronomy. I was thinking about my teeth, right? And Your teeth? My teeth. Okay. Yes. I didn't hear the T-H. Like... Yes, teeth. Yes. Not teeth. No. <laughs> teeth. So I was thinking about my teeth. And in conjunction with this idea of hope, with, excuse me, coming out, with being drawn out, with not hiding with uh, being sustained in times of trouble. And what came to me was the journey I'm personally having for better teeth, right? So for me, the driving light is that I know at the end of everything, 
my teeth will be better. But first, it required me to acknowledge the fact that there were issues mm-hmm. with my teeth, right? So I had to open my eyes to see what actually is. And I think that that connects in some ways with um, hope in the world that, that you cannot turn away mm. from what is happening. You have to look at it, Got right? It. You have to uh, come to terms with the fact that this, no, this isn't a nightmare. This is actually happening, right? So It is a nightmare, though. Yes, it is a nightmare and it's right and happening. it's real right. right you know and so for me when I think about my teeth I had to come to the realization that if I did not go to see a dentist that my teeth were going to rot out mm-hmm. right um and uh one of my teeth that's now pulled uh was like half gone before I went and that was a catalyst like I had to be pushed to the point where I would step out and do something Right. But so, you, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So go ahead. But I was gonna say you do so much speaking though, because of what you do, like not just for work, but for ministry and stuff too. Like, what made you not? You know what I'm saying? Like, because I realized I couldn't hide anymore. No, but I'm saying, what made you wait this long? Being oh, because I was you're, afraid. You're always speaking and stuff. Like, was it ever in your mind? Like, I don't want people to see this tooth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so so part of the reason that I didn't go is because I'm a, I was afraid. Mm-hmm. And the reason I finally went is because it was visible. Oh, okay. So I had to make a decision, right? And so I had to go to the dentist. So I had to acknowledge it first. Then I had to face the fear. Mm-hmm. I had to face it head on. I had to go. And then I have to be willing to go through all the things, right? So when I think about the journey of life... Mm-hmm. Knowing if I if I compare it with my teeth, I know that the, at the end of this, that I'm going to have better teeth. Right. I know at the end of this life that God is still yet on the throne, no huh. matter what happens. Right. There is nobody in this life, in this realm, that can take away from me what God has given me. Period. Okay. Right? To me, that is the end result. So that keeps me motivated to go through all of the challenges, to go through all of the things, but it requires for me to, to step out, right? Mm-hmm. Just like I did with my teeth. And so now I have one tooth pulled that's gone. So I have now, if I s- smile broadly, there's a hole. It's right? not even that noticeable. I keep but I'm just that. making a point. The yeah. point I'm making is that there's also, for me, the reality of having to deal with the stigma associated mm-hmm. with people who have imperfect teeth. Right? Yep. Right? And I'm not even done. Then I have two root canals to do. I have a bridge. And then I have cleaning and deep cleaning that needs to be done. So it's not as though, right, I pray and then it's over and then it's done. Right? It's not that when I say yes, that it all ends. Right. That's just the beginning. Right? (laughs) And so I think there's something in that too, this idea of what keeps me holding on, what, what reorients me. To, to joy, to life, is the idea, is the, the knowing one that it's not just over with my yes, but that's still in the end we win, mm. right? Um, and there's a lot to go through. Mm-hmm. There's still, there's many more needles I'm going to have to face that I don't want to face. I've been nervous every time I've sat in a chair, but I've already sat in three, actually four chairs, right? And I'm still just at the beginning of the journey, but I know in the end, after all of this, I will be better, and so anyway, so I've been thinking about the parallel between 
what I'm dealing with with my teeth and the themes that they're lifting up around, um, around choosing life and around um, uh, what we cling to and some of the other things that I said. So I love, I love that uh, analogy that you gave with your teeth. Yeah. And how, I mean, basically it's like there's, if we deal with the things head on that we don't want to deal with, you know, it's going to, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be painful. It's going to be rough, mm-hmm. but it's going to be so much better once it's done. Right. And so when we think that. about, when we think about what's happening right now, I was thinking about the fact that some of us are, have our heads buried under blankets, right? Because we don't want to look at it. We don't want to believe it. I don't think that looking What's at it is going to make in the world, in the world okay. right? I don't think looking at it is going to make it any easier. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's going to give us the tools that we need to mm-hmm. fight to keep going. There's something that something that happens in the doing, okay? Right? Just like the with the teeth, right? Something's happening in the doing. It's not going to be easy, but you have to you have to face it. You have to see that it's there. You know what that makes me think of? You know how when um people say, stop talking about racism, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Or stop talking about slavery or stop talking about the past. Like, it wasn't me. It wasn't my parents. Like, you know, or when they say those things and they say, you know, if we stop talking about it, things will get better or they'll go away. And it's like, that's not how it works. Get better for you because you don't have to deal with hearing it anymore. Yes. That's not fair. Exactly. It'll yeah. get better for that person. But it's also like, whatever happened to facing it head on? If you face it head on, then you become more aware of like really what the problem is yeah, and why it's still here and how it is affecting me. Because it yeah. ain't affecting you. Right. If you're not bothered by it, it sure as hell ain't affecting you. Yep. But it can only get better once we deal with it. That's why there are so many, like when you have jobs these days or even churches, they try and have all these uh, like equity, you know, like racial equity or um, do any of them have like uh, like gender equity or mm-hmm. do they? Yeah. I think most of the time though we see like racial equity yep. type stuff. And that's, I, I believe that's why they do it because either because something has happened <laughs> there and so they're like okay, let's just make everybody feel better. Or they really want people to be informed about how like the minorities feel at their job or how, why people are um, feeling the way that they feel about how they've been treated. Yeah. Because a lot of times if you don't, if you haven't gone through it, then you feel like it's not happening. Yeah. Or you don't see it. Yep. Which is Because you don't have to see it. Right. That's the privilege. Of not like even in right now in our political climate, there's some people that are coasting, right? Because it doesn't impact them. It doesn't impact their finances. It doesn't impact their daily walk. It doesn't impact their job. It doesn't impact their families, and so they can choose to opt out, right? And some people do, especially here. It's a lot of celebrities that say, "No, I don't vote." Mm-hmm. You know, I just I just stay out of that. They don't because they don't have to be involved in it. To be honest with you, that's they like don't a, have it's to like be. a false sense of hope, though. You know what I'm saying? Is it's hope? Well, saying? to me, because like when you, especially when you bring up celebrities, they have a following, mm-hmm. and so to me, people look to celebrities to see like, 
well, what are they saying? Or how, do, how are they dealing with these situations? That's like a false sense of hope. It's like, well, it's, it's not my problem. You know, do what I'm doing so then you can feel the same way I feel. grateful for, for spiritual communities in, in a wide variety of forms because they give, it gives us what we need to make it through these times, right? When, when these things, we can't choose to opt out. These things are directly impacting us and our lives, you know? Absolutely. And so I'm, I'm amazed at how God or the divine continuously reminds, at least me, I can speak for myself, that she's still, she's still at work. Like, because who would have thought that my journey with the dentist would actually turn into a preaching moment? There's no mm. way I could have orchestrated that, right? Right. It's in those small ways that for me, the divine shows up and it's like only God mm. could do this. Right. And of course, we're not trying to proselytize on our podcast. We're just being who we are. Right. Right. And everybody has their own journey. But as for me, <laughs> as for me in my house, <laughs> man, God is, God is where it's at for me. I like how you bounce back and forth with she and when you're talking about God. And yeah. Say she and because I was just saying this recently. It might have been you. Every time I say, I, I was just talking about this the other day, it's usually you because <laughs> I don't talk to that many people apparently. Um, but I was talking about how people get so wrapped up with God and like everything is he, 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 he. Mm -hmm. But God was a being. Yeah. Or God is a being. God yeah. was never human. <laughs> right. And so why is it that we label God he when God was never... Right. Or why can't it be more expansive? Right. You know? I, and I, you know, people have said, I remember being in a class one time and someone said, you know, I don't see why God has to have a vagina to be inclusive or something, why we need to remove his uh, penis and balls. It was, it was really interesting. What? Yeah. And God doesn't I remember have he penis that, and balls. <laughs> But I remember he said that in class, and I thought to myself, I don't think God has a vagina or penis and ball. And so he was pretty offended by it. But that's because that means, I mean, if God is he, right, that positions men sometimes as being a little bit more powerful. I mean, historically, that was the case. It was thought that, that men were closer to God Mm. Right, and that men, that women were closer to the earth, um, and so that even though we may not use those terms, I think not keeping the pronoun the way it is is just a signifier, but it means some things for people. Right, that generally when we think about men and we think about power and we think about strength and we think about we can attribute all those things to God, right? But God is also everything we think of when we think about she. And stereotypically, that can be soft and all the other stuff that people have come up with that's supposed to be more uh, feminine-like, right? God right. is all those things and all-powerful. Right, right. Right, and still. I just want to emphasize that. And. And. Yes. Yeah, people can't see my head bobbing. But and all-powerful, soft, crying, all those things, and still fierce, and so I think that's why sometimes I use the pronoun she, 
because I want to make room for everything that comes up when you hear the pronoun he and everything that comes up when you hear the pronoun she mm-hmm. to point towards the divine. Okay. Right? And it doesn't always. People don't see the divine as embodying any feminine traits at all, mm-hmm. which is problematic because we're made in God's image. Huh. You better preach. That is why people have this idea of male, like God is just this, like you said, like or like he thought, you know, mm-hmm. male with a penis and, penis and testicles. And, that is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazier to hear too. It's kind of it's kind of crudely said. It's very strange to me, and but it had everything to do with power. A, it makes me think of like I could see a man saying that and being angry about it because like yeah he was he so he upset felt about you know slighted by the by God. the notion that we could we could um, uh, give feminine pronouns to God like how dare we which is telling right why why can't we do that that's telling in some ways it's beyond just traditionally God has been male. It's beyond that because yeah. there's something behind what he was saying. Yeah. There's something behind the irritation. It irritates you that badly that God, who is the creator of all of us, right. man, woman, and everything in between and outside, that we uh, we use a pronoun other than the singular he. Why he is probably so? has a problem with women. That's what it sounds like. I don't know. That's yeah. what it sounds Could like. Be. I, it, I don't. I don't have a clue. It makes me think of, um, you know, how much I love Billy Porter, aka Pray Tell from Pose, and somebody. Every interview, I feel like that he does. People always ask, like, "Well, why do you feel like it's necessary to wear a dress?" And he always answers with, um, "It used to be inappropriate for women to wear pants because." People felt like if you wear pants, you're like a man. Mm-hmm. And if you're like a man, then you're too powerful. And then if if um, men wear dresses, then that means they're like a woman mm-hmm. or they're weak. Mm-hmm. And so yep. Weakness. in this hand, you have men equals power mm-hmm. and strength. And in this hand, women you have equals. women equaling weakness, weakness. Yes. or than. dislike or less than, yeah. which is... It's disgusting, but that's what it makes me think of. And so, yeah. if he was this upset about, you know, his he was God irritated or irritated, yeah, even to be irritated though with you know your God not having a penis and or seeing your God as having a vagina, which God has neither because it's God right. as a being. But if that offends you that much, what is it that you feel really feel about a person who is feminine? And not just women, but a person who is feminine mm-hmm. or a woman. Yeah. I think for some people, it's just hard to think about God in any different terms. But I think for other people, there's something more behind it. And with that gentleman, I just sense that it was more than just, mm, you know, this is breaking tradition. It was some something else was behind, you know, why, why do we have to have God, you know, why does God have to have, to have a vagina now? Like that. To me, that was really strange. Where did that um, even come from, though? And who said that God had a vagina? The man did. That no, was a uh, <laughs> <laughs> that the man in that classroom said that. No, I mean, where did he get that from? I don't know. Like, I don't know the man. 
<laughs> I'm just telling you the facts as I know the them. The man did. That's Thank all you. I knows. Thank you. You're welcome. The man. The man. Yes. Awesome. Well, my eyes are about to fall out of my eye socket because not only are they dry, but I think there's mascara in them. Yeah. It's itching really badly. Well, let's stop because I'm looking at you and between your eyes being half closed. Are they red? And no. No, they're and half closed because blinking. they're hurting. But before that, when I was looking at you. They've been still. hurting. <laughs> They've been hurting. The point I was making is that we probably should wrap up. Oh, wait, I do have so a question. What you can do with your eyeball. Did you like The Lion King today? Yeah. I freaking loved it. I know this has nothing to do with. Uh, it kind of does, I guess. I don't know if we're talking about hope. Like, there were so many moments where I kind of wanted, like, I was, I'm not like a crier, but like, it made me a little emotional mm-hmm, because we're there with Jasmine and she's nine and she's like really into it. And because Lion King always has this whole, you know, it's like the parent and the child whole thing. And like, Mufasa was. To me, always like, Ooh, <laughs> like feeding Simba hope, you know, and like that you have to give um, that to your people. That's that's kind of what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Mufasa was about like yep. you, he where Scar was very much about like being selfish. Selfish, yeah, it was but all about him. Mufasa was about like about if you mm-hmm. are hopeful or if you, you know show this strength and your people will be strong Yeah, your people will have hope. And it was just kind of emotional. It was yeah, really, it was. I don't care what anybody else said or any of the critics said, because like that's the whole, there were so many moments that were just so emotional and just so powerful and it's CGI. It's like not even people are real. And just, it was just so much power in a freaking CGI yeah. film. Yeah. It was powerful. Um, and I'm going to say one more thing before we wrap up because I'm ready to kind of wrap up. But um, when uh, he was saying to uh, Simba. Simba's the son that became the king, yes. <laughs> okay. He was saying to Simba. Simba was like, oh, so I think he was like, kings even get afraid. And he said, yeah, more more than you know, right? And so I think there's something about that too that you don't always see that, mm-hmm. but that there's there's a lot of times where people in leadership have to move out on faith and i think that could be for anybody so there's this misnomer that if you're a leader then somehow you don't have to deal with those things anymore right so it's like when i get there i don't have to deal with this anymore but the truth of the matter is that you do and you do now and if you do now right that will help you to get to the next place like mm realizing that we all have to deal with those fears, even if it's not always seen. Because we never saw Mufasa look afraid, except for the time that, you know, when he was kicked off the cliff, right? But other than that, when he was, you know, saving his son, basically what he was saying to him is that I'm afraid a lot. You just don't see it. Right. Right? I think that's powerful because we don't, we're kind of taught not to show those sides, right? Mm -hmm. We don't show our vulnerability. And sometimes people die. Because mm. they didn't want to show vulnerability. But that's a topic for another day. So. I love that. By the time this like posts, you will have already preached your sermon. So, sorry, you guys can't come and listen. 
It'd only be like two and a half minutes anyway, because Shamian likes to get in and get out. Anyway. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, it's usually like 10 minutes. Just how I like it. 10 minutes, Simon. Say what you got to say. <laughs> Shut the hell up. I'm just kidding. No, I like when people are to the point. When people drag on with sermons, it's the worst. Yes. Is there anything that you want to say? <laughs> I have an attitude right now because the way you're looking at me. <laughs> I just know what I've come to the end of my fuse and I'm just ready to... to... I came to the end of my fuse like an hour ago. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I saw you over there like this. I did not eyes? look like that. Yes, when I was Is talking. there anything that you want to... You said when you were talking? Yeah, when I was talking and you go... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then I keep looking and then your eyes would slowly... Because I could use another a drink too. And it's, okay. I just want a bite of this pineapple. So, Is there anything you want to say? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Wait, it's like I knew that the mic was here. But I thought I could bite it quietly. <laughs> swallowing that lip smack he just did. All of it's on the mic. I thought I could swallow quietly. <laughs> then you sitting down the cup I just heard. Like everything, <laughs> everything I heard. And then you're quick to tell me, just make sure everything picks up on the mic. So don't do this. Your chair that shouldn't squeak. You can and tell And here I'm you tired, are literally man. eating pineapple. Yes, I could tell a little while ago. I know, but I'm at my best right now. Okay. Is right. there anything that you want to say? God is love and God is still yet on the throne. All right. Um, I can't remember the person's name, but I read something today. And so I wish I remembered their name so I could dedicate this to them. But it was just yet yeah, another black trans woman who was killed. And her name was like Denali. Um, super young and I literally just read it today but just wanted to show family some love and amen and amen peace y'all bye